Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. All right, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Revelations, chapter number five. Um, I never preach out of Revelation, never use many scriptures out of Revelation. But I am today, and I'm going to pick a few scriptures and give you a glimpse of throne room etiquette, if you will. We get a glimpse of what's going on in the throne room of heaven uh, with these few scriptures. Last week, I, I dealt with heaven's dilemma, and this week we're going to, we're going to deal with uh, God's limitations. Are y'all ready to go? Revelation chapter number five, verse number five says, then one of the elders said to me, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background, I guess. Uh, John is being taken into the spirit and he's seeing into the throne room and uh, he sees the father sitting on a throne with a scroll in his hand and nobody was worthy to go open the scroll. Um, it's not my goal to teach Revelation today, so I'm just going to throw this out there for your information. And as John began to weep because no one was worthy to open the scroll, we take up in verse number five and it says, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, he has prevailed, and he can open the scroll and break its seven seals. And there between the throne and among the elders, I saw a lamb, which was Jesus Christ, standing as though it had been slain. It's a picture of Jesus standing there uh, with the scars of his crucifixion. Isn't that amazing? He's going to bear those scars for all eternity of his crucifixion as a reminder uh, that he was the sacrificial lamb. He was our sacrifice. It said, I saw a lamb as though it had been slain, and this lamb had seven horns. That sounds really weird, but it's talking about power. He saw a lamb who had complete and total power. Seven means complete. Seven horns and with seven eyes, meaning complete and total, infinite, omniscient knowledge, which are the seven spirits of God who have been sent unto all the earth. And he, talking about Christ, the lamb that was sacrificed for me and you, he came and took the scroll from the right hand of the Father. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one had a harp in one hand and golden bowls full of fragrant incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I want you to catch that. I emphasize Amen. I mean, it's just amazing. You're seeing into the spirit realm. You're seeing the 24 elders and they got one hand on worship, one hand, uh, and in the other hand, they had bowls full of something. 
And the Bible says it was your prayers. The prayers of the saints. Now go to Revelation 8, verse number 3. It says, And another angel came, we're still in the setting of the throne room, and another angel came and stood at the altar, and he had a golden censer. That was a container on chains uh, that they would swing in the tabernacle, and it was full of incense that would bring a beautiful aroma into the tabernacle. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. I need you to see what's happening for where we're going. Now an angel's got involved and he's mixing your prayers with the very atmosphere of heaven. The fragrance of heaven. Verse number four. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And then the angel took that censer. He filled it with fire off of the altar. He took the fire, the incense, and the prayers. And he put it into the censer. And he cast it to the earth. And when he did, there were voices and thunderings and lightning and a great earthquake. Last week, like I said, we started dealing with a subject that I called Heaven's Dilemma. Well, today I'm subtitling and piggybacking from last week, and we're going to call it God's Limitations. Last week, Kobe will probably help us out here. Last week, we, we came from the scriptures in Luke chapter number uh, 6 and 38. And the Bible says, stay with me now, we're going to go somewhere. It says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, I need everybody to read out loud the last sentence of this verse. For with the, same, with the standard of measurement you use, it will be measured to you in return. Are you following me? Mark chapter 4, verse number 24 says, uh, Then he said unto them, Pay attention to what you hear. Elbow your neighbor and tell him, Pay attention. Jordan Ebbo Whitney, she's, she's, she's texting somebody. <laughs> Pay attention to what you're about to hear. By your own standard of measurement, it will be measured back to you. And more will be given to you besides. I'm going to read it off the screen now. Pay attention to what you hear by your own standard of measurement. That is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. Oh, but he didn't stop there. He said, and you will be given even greater ability to respond and more 
will be given to you besides. Jesus is establishing a kingdom principle here that your giving actually governs your receiving. Whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be thought, whether it be study uh, in the scripture, by your own standard of measurement, it, whatever you're sowing into, it, by that standard, it will be measured back to you. This is God's dilemma. He has unsearchable riches he desires to distribute to his children, but he can only distribute according to the standard of measurement that you set. This is the dilemma of God. We think we're waiting on God. We think that God governs, measures out the blessing that he gives us. And Jesus plainly taught, amen, that the dilemma of heaven is not what he uh, has to give to you. The dilemma of God is he can only give according to your capacity to receive. And with whatever effort you put into it, it's the same effort that God puts into relaying the blessing back to you. This is why Jesus was constantly saying, be it unto you according to your faith, meaning your miracle, your blessing can only be released according to the measure of your expectation. James said in the, uh, uh, chapter number four, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. In other words, God's movement is limited to or released by your movement. I'm going to say, Josh, run up here right quick. God's movement is limited to or released to you by your movement. You stand over, you're God. And the scripture says, draw nigh to God and God will... In other words, he can only respond to my activity. No matter what I say, no matter what I say I want, no matter what I think I want, as long as I stay in my current position or condition or status, God remains in that position. But according to this scripture, the moment I move, he moves. Amen. So now the question is, how close I want to be with God? Amen. It ain't like God's holding me back. He's sitting there waiting. He just wants to be close to me. He wants to give me sugar, don't he? <laughs> I remember when Josh was about, I kissed him every year. I took him to, every day I took him to school and he finally got up about this high and I started to kiss him one day. He said, no more, daddy. <laughs> he outgrew it. So God still wants to love on me, right? But anyway, draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. Heaven's dilemma is I want to be closer. God's dilemma is I want you to see me better. God's dilemma is I want to show you more. And you do a lot of talking and you do a lot of this and you say you do. But in reality, faith without works is dead. So I can't move until... You move. So everything God is now doing is in direct response to what I'm doing. Can I get a witness? <laughs> 
He knew it was coming. James is saying, God will respond to you based upon your movement. Heaven is actually waiting for some earthly activity. My God, are y'all listening to me? Everything, Brother Flukey, everything heaven releases or anything and everything God does is in response to something done on earth. Amen. Before the fall, uh, uh, he... He didn't have to have permission. Before the fall, he didn't have to have a, a, some type of movement on earth because the Bible says God would come in the cool of the day and hang out with Adam. But because of the fall and power and authority over the earth was transferred to man, now heaven has to have permission from earth to invade. Oh, I don't know if y'all ready for this, amen. He literally has to have permission. We're gonna talk about why prayer is so important, amen. Prayer is the vehicle through which God can intervene on your back. Little prayer, little God. Everything heaven releases or anything and everything God does, you gotta get this because we're after revival, is a response to something done on earth. Second Chronicles, if my people, somebody shout if, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then heaven will respond. Heaven will respond. Then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. In other words, community transformation is God's response to earthly activity. God, somebody help me. I'm after something today. I said uh, community transformation is God's response to earthly activity of what? Repentance, seeking, praying. Why? Because everything heaven releases is in direct response to activity that's going on on earth. Amen. Uh, over and over and over in your Bible. They crossed the, the Jordan River. Jericho was there. The walls were impregnable. And God said, march around your impossibility. Amen. In other words, I need you to stir up some earthly activity so that heaven can respond to your activity on earth. March around the wall. And when you march seven times on the seventh day, he said, shout. When they begin to shout, the walls begin to fall. Are you listening to me? Heaven had to have an earthly counterpart, amen, that was creating a commotion that heaven could respond to. How many times? Jesus, when it got time to raise Lazarus, he said, roll the stone away. I, I, I need an earthly counterpart, amen, that I can respond to your activity on earth. Amen. Lazarus would have never been raised from the dead had there not been activity on earth. He told the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Amen. And heaven will respond to your activity. Amen. I wonder if we're waiting on God to move and God's waiting on activity he can respond to. Amen. We're asking God to break his own laws by intervening in our lives when there's been no activity of faith that God can respond to. He, he told the crippled man, take up your bed and walk. 
Huh? And when the crippled man began to stir activity on earth, heaven responded and he got a miracle. Is anybody with me in this class this morning? He went to church. One man had a withered hand. Amen. And Jesus, of course he needed healing. And Jesus there would do the healing. But isn't it amazing instead of Jesus just saying you're healed, he said stretch forth your hand. And when the man began to act upon what he believed, heaven responded with a miracle. We've got to give heaven something to respond to. The first miracle Jesus did was at the wedding. And they needed wine and they didn't have no wine. So Jesus said, well, you got to stir up something on earth that heaven can connect with. So take the water pot, take the pots, fill them up with water and watch what heaven does. Amen. Lepers came to him to be healed. We could go on all day. Lepers came to be healed. And what Jesus say? Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were healed. I believe many are coming into the church needing deliverance, needing uh, uh, mental healing, emotional healing, and we're expecting heaven to respond to something that we've never even acted out. It was only when the priest started walking out their miracle that they got the miracle. Is anybody listening to me? The Bible says walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and his blood will cleanse you from everything. Amen. Heaven will respond if we will begin to move. He will respond to our activity. The scripture teaches us here, not only does God uh, only respond to your activity here on earth, but his response will be measured back to you by your own standard of measurement. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10 says, God will increase the seeds you sow and increase the fruit of your righteousness. My text said by your own standard of measurement, it's going to be measured back to you and more will be given to you beside. God is saying, amen, if you, if you will sow into your greater, if you will sow into your bigger, I will add to it. This is the limitations of God. This is his divine law and principle. He said, if you want to be bigger, sow into your bigger. You want to be greater, sow into your greater. And whatever you sow into, I'm going to add something to it. Amen. The only thing that God is limited by is my reluctance to sow. You want a greater marriage? Sow into it. You want a greater business? Sow into it. Amen. Are you listening to me? Sow into it. He said, if you'll sow into your greater, he said, I'll sow into you. That scripture I just read you out of 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 in the Passion is, is pretty amazing. Paul said, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will, re will reap an abundant harvest. Don't hold back, God is saying. Sow into what you want. 
Sow into what you're believing for. Sow into what you lack. Four times uh, uh, in four chapters, Jesus rebuked his own disciples for having little faith. Four times in four chapters. I mean, they're his disciples now. And four times in different circumstances, Jesus is rebuking them for their little faith. Until finally, in Luke 17 and 5, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. That word increase means to place additionally. It means to annex. They were saying, we have some faith, but we want more faith. So they begin to sow into their faith. They sowed into their lack of faith with prayer. They sowed into their lack of faith saying, Lord, increase our faith. Add to our faith. Enlarge our capacity to be able to receive. Amen. If you want more faith, you got to sow into it. You got to sow into your faith and God will cause the increase. There was a man with a demonic son and he came to Jesus and said, he throws him in the fire over and over and over. He said, if you're able to do anything, would you please have mercy on us? And Jesus said in this translation, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? He said, if you're able to believe, all things is possible to the believer. And when the boy's father heard this, he cried, I do believe, but help my unbelief. He began to sow into what he was lacking with tears and crying unto Jesus. Can I help somebody right now? This is the dilemma of God. It's not his ability to bless you, not his ability to grow you, not his ability to increase you. The dilemma is our reluctance to sow in that which we want. We got to quit sitting around and being jealous of somebody else's walk with God, someone else's revelation of God, somebody else's fire, somebody else's commitment, amen, and begin to sow into it ourselves. The man said, Lord, I do believe I have a certain measure of faith, but I want a greater level of faith. Enlarge my capacity. What are you lacking? Sow into it. Are you lacking peace? So into it. Isaiah, Isaiah 26 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stated upon you because you trust in the Lord. Amen. You want peace? It's going to take some effort on your part. You want some peace? You're going to have to sow into it. You want some peace? You're going to have to control your thoughts and focus them upon Jesus and Jesus alone. And perfect peace is going to be the fruit of your labor. Is anybody in this place? For are you lacking in in desire? Uh, uh, are, are you are, are you lacking in desiring a greater measure of spirituality? So into it. Listen, the Bible says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh." Reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. It's a principle. You want to grow spiritually? Sow into your spirit. And he said, And let us not be weary in well-doing, 
For in due season we shall reap if we don't faint. Can I tell you, sowing can be laborious. It can be tiresome. But just keep sowing. Keep investing. Jennifer's testimony. Keep giving to your miracle. Keep giving to your spirit. Is anybody listening to me? Why? Because harvest time is coming. If sowing wasn't laborious, he wouldn't have put it in there. Don't be weary and well-doing, for you will reap if you don't faint. Maybe that's why we never stepped into the fullness of what God had in. It's because I fainted. I fainted before my harvest came in. I give up before my harvest came in because when you're sowing, it's all labor. When you're sowing, it's all work. When you're sowing, are you listening to me? Keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. Uh, Psalms 126 and 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, commentators teach that this scripture came from the fact that when food was really scarce to that family, to that farmer and his wife, and all they had to eat was the seed that he had in his hand. And and it's a picture of the farmer and his wife literally walking through the garden with tears streaming down their face, sowing that seed. And they were sowing that seed. And the reason they were crying was that's the only seed they had for food. So they could either eat their seed or they could sow it. But because of the, 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 the current condition of the household, the Bible says they were literally tears streaming down while I was sowing because I don't know how we're going to make it because now I'm sowing. And the Bible calls it precious seed, but that really meant is valuable. This seed, that's how valuable it was to that family. But they so put their trust in the God that was going to cause the increase that they sowed through tears. Is anybody hearing me? They sowed through the tears. Amen. If you're going to start sowing into your spirit, you got to start sowing into your spirit even when you feel like you don't have enough to sow. Oh, I'm going to have somebody right here. Even when you're in drought, you don't have an abundance you feel like to give God right now. Even in your drought, when you don't know how you're going to make it yourself, you got to sow. Why? Because the Bible says, doubtless, without a doubt, the spiritual seed will produce what it's supposed to produce. Amen. When you're lacking revival, personally or corporately, whether we feel it or not, whether we feel like prayer or not, whether we feel like fasting or not, whether we feel like pursuing or not, we know spiritual seed will produce a spiritual harvest, amen. And even in our worship, it ain't always about feeling good. It ain't even always about feeling like worship. It's a matter of, I know I'm sowing spiritual seed and I know without a doubt, I'm not rolling dice. I will come again rejoicing and I'll be bringing an abundance with me. My God, high five you never tell them, sow it anyway. In spite of how you feel, sow it anyway. 
Because the Spirit will produce. Can I, can I help you with something else? You're going to have to learn to sow in the inconvenient season. Anybody ever just got up one morning and didn't feel like going to work? Did anybody ever get up in the morning and feel like going to work? Huh? What did you do when you didn't feel like going to work? You went to work anyway. Why? Because you knew the reward was going to be worth it. Right? You didn't get up and consult with your feelings. You didn't get up and consult with your emotions. You didn't consult with anything else. Matter of fact, you didn't even consult with your schedule because you done scheduled you were going to go to work. Is anybody in this place? Amen. You, you, you didn't say, I ain't got time to go to work. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to teach it anyway. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's the same way in the spirit. You're going to have to learn to sow in the inconvenient seasons if you're going to get a spiritual harvest in your life. Amen. I didn't want to preach today. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Didn't feel like preaching. Didn't feel like I got it in me this morning. Amen. It was a very, I mean, in a very inconvenient season. Anybody else in this place ever met? You ever get up and don't want to pray? Don't want to study? Don't want to sow to the Spirit? Y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to teach it anyway. Amen. If you don't learn how to sow in the inconvenient season, you'll never reap a harvest when you need it the most. Amen. The reason I'm bankrupt, amen, is because Jesus said, uh, uh, when you pray, go in the closet, shut the door, and what you sow in secret, you'll be rewarded with you in the public. We go through public defeat after public defeat because we didn't sow the seed in the private time. Amen. And I can't trust my feelings and emotions. I can't, come on, I can't just sit up and decide when it comes to prayer time, do I feel like it? <laughs> Am I tired? Am I this or I'm that? I got to learn in the, inco- I got to learn to sow when it's inconvenient. Amen. I, I, I know back home, I just remember specifically, especially when I was younger and people lived off the crops and this and that. Amen. When it come time to sow, you had to sow. Everything else come to a screeching halt. Everything else. Are y'all listening to me? Why? Because I have a window to sow in. And same way with the harvest. When it came, I got to go reap what I have sown. If I miss it, I'm going to lose my harvest. You're going to have to learn to sow into your spirit, sow into your faith in inconvenient season. Here's a scripture for you. Ecclesiastes 11 and 4 says... Listen to this. I love it. He who watches the wind will not sow. Amplified. He who watches the wind waiting for all conditions to be perfect will not sow seed. And he who looks at the clouds will not harvest. Isn't that a powerful scripture? You can't wait for perfect circumstances to begin sowing or there'll never be a harvest. 
<laughs> Amen. We're going to have to sow when it would be more convenient. It's not conducive. Nothing is working with me to get this job done. I'll be honest with you. I called uh, 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 the fivefold together right before church. What do we do, guys? Do we cancel the revival? It doesn't put it back one week. Do we cancel the revival? It's a real inconvenient time for families. It's a real inconvenient time because of this COVID. It's inconvenient because of sickness. What do we do? Well, we come to the conclusion, as inconvenient as it is, we're going to sow anyway. We're going to sow tonight. We're going to sow into the harvest we want to. Tell your neighbor, sow anyway. You can't wait for perfect circumstances to begin sowing or there'll never be a harvest. You can't wait for the job to get lined out before you start sowing into your spirit or your job will never get lined out. You'll never wait for your schedule to line out before you start sowing into your spirit or your... You'll never, you can't wait till the kids get grown to sow into your ministry. Or they'll never grow up. Oh, that's a scary thought. Huh? You can't, because when they grow up, it's something else. Ask us who's in empty nesters. There's always something, amen. You can't wait. You can't wait till you have more time to start sowing. Why? Because when you get this project done, there'll be another project. And when you get this done, there'll be something else done. Amen. He said, you can't look at the clouds and decide if you're going to sow. You just got to sow it anyway. You can't wait till you're feeling better to sow. Sow now. You can't wait till you're feeling a little more spiritual to start sowing into your spirit. You got to start sowing seed. Even if it's hurting so bad, you got tears streaming down your eyes. Amen. Even if it's taken away from something else, you got to sow, even if it's going to cost me some FaceTime, it's going to cost me some TV time, it's going to cost me some family time, it's going to cost me some personal me time. Amen. You can't, you can't wait. You got to sow. Sow whether you feel like it or not. Sow if you have time for it or not. And keep on sowing. You've got to give God something to work with. He said, if you'll sow it, I'll add to it and I'll send it back to you. He says, if you'll sow your little, I'll mix my bigness with it. As insignificant as you may think that little prayer is, Pray it anyway. Amen. I think we've messed ourselves up in the Pentecostal because everything rides on emotion. Now, me and my wife's pretty adamant, and we're pretty emotional. And I feel like you ought to mean what you do. But I don't know if we hadn't shot ourselves in the foot that everything rides on feelings and emotions because faith says, I move forward if I feel it or not. Amen. There comes a time when I had to put my feelings and emotions on the back burner. In other words, I lay them on the sacrificial altar of sacrifice uh, and I offer my praise to God. I offer my prayer to God. And God is so awesome, he said, I'm going to measure back to you according to your standard of measurement. But he threw a little old uh, clause in there and said, but I will add something to it. My text in the book of Revelation says, the elders... Or look at this. The elders are before the throne. 
and they have golden bowls. Josh, Josh shared this vision with us last Sunday night. And these bowls are full of our prayers. They're full of your prayers. And in the midst of it, an angel comes. Now, an angel is partnering with what you're doing on earth. This is the power of prayer. The Bible says an angel comes and he had a censer in his hand and he mixed it with incense and with the prayers and he filled it with fire off the altar of God and he hurled it back to the earth. Amen. As simple as you think that prayer is in heaven, if it's the prayer of faith, God is taking that thing and he's adding something to it. He's adding something to your prayer. He's adding the incense of heaven with your prayer. He's adding the passion and the fire of heaven with your prayer. And the Bible says he hurled it back to the earth. And when he did, there were voices and thunders, lightnings, and an earthquake. That word earthquake is seismos, and it means a commotion. A commotion on earth. A storm. It's a storm in other words, that began to shake everything around. Their, their prayer, what they sent up, God mixed heaven with it and sent it back earth, back to the earth and caused a commotion that began to shake things. Can I tell you the only prayer God can mix with and send back is a prayer you prayed. And he can only send it in the measure in which you sent it. Some of us has got little bitty response from heaven because of a little bitty deposit to heaven and said when it came back it came back in voices your voice may be small on earth when it's going up in prayer but God mixes heaven with it and it comes back with voices in the spirit realm that begins to shake things and cause a commotion as a matter of fact, if you keep reading what's going on there, the Bible says, and, and, and when he threw the prayer back to the earth, angels, seven angels stepped out and started sounding trumpets. It's our prayer, it's our worship sent to heaven that releases a sound from heaven that begins to destroy the powers of darkness. I've come to tell you this morning, church, it's time to sow. You can stir up a commotion if you'll sow to the Spirit. That's why worship is shifting right now in life, church. Some of you may not even understand of what's going on because sometimes they even quit singing and they're just pacing. Amen. It's us sending something from the earth that God can mix his bigness with it and throw it back to the earth. You, we don't even know what's going on in the spirit realm, but your worship is so powerful that it's stirring up a commotion in the heavenlies that's destroying the strongholds of the enemy on earth. Your worship. Your praise is being caught and is sent back. So the question is, what kind of commotion is your worship stirring up? What kind of commotion in the spirit realm is your prayer stirring up? He can only work with what you give him. Send it up there. Let God add something to it 
Let him send it back in power. That's what we're doing right now every Sunday night. We're stirring up a commotion on earth that God can respond to. Stand with me all over this building. This is the good news and the bad news of the kingdom of God. The good news is God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you're able to ask or think. We're going to close that with a baptism, Tiffany, if you want to get ready. The good news is God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you're able to ask or think. The bad news may be he can only respond in the same measure. He can only respond on the same level. He can only respond to the degree of the capacity I have to receive it. And I think the enemy has come into the church and he's just lowered our passion in worship. He's lowered our passion in prayer. If we could get a glimpse of what's going on in the heavenlies that I'm sending something up there for God to work with. That's what they were gathering up in those bowls. They were just sending back. Kenny, they, God was just sending back what I sent up. But what's so awesome about God? He took a little heaven and mixed it with it before he sent it back. And when it come back, it come back with lightning. It came back with power. It came back in voices. It reminds me of when Jesus prayed. God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, I have glorified my name and I'm finna glorify it even more. And everybody around said it thundered. But it was God responding to the prayer of the Son. Something shakes the spirit realm when we pray in faith. And the level of that shaking is determined by my commitment to that level of prayer. What are you lacking in this morning before we go do the baptism? What are you lacking in? What are you desiring? What are you wanting? So into it. There, there's no magic potion. Sow into it. You want a greater anointing? You got to sow into it. You want to be stronger in the faith? You got to sow into it. It's already in you. It'll grow. It'll prosper. But you got to sow into it. No farmer walks to the edge of his field who has not sown and expects anything to come up. He, he don't expect to... He would be foolish. We cannot not sow and expect a move of God. You know what this tells me? The good news is we can have a move of God anytime we want one. Is it, does that ring true? We, we can have a move of God. You want a more spiritual environment in your home? You can have one anytime you want it. But you'll have to go through the process of sowing when it hurts. Sowing when it hurts. 
sowing when it's inconvenient. And you'll only be willing to sow if you know it's going to produce a harvest in my life. Sow to the Spirit and the Spirit will yield life. Maybe we spend too much time sowing into our flesh which can't produce anything but flesh. Just, just, just a minute of repentance on our part right now. Maybe I'm sowing way too much carnal TV. Maybe I'm sowing way too much phone time. Maybe I'm just sowing into my flesh way more than I'm sowing into my spirit. Draw nigh to me, God is saying, and I'll come, I'll come close. I'll come close. Right now, just in the spirit of prayer, in the spirit of prayer, I just want your mind to be on what is it I'm lacking. What is it I'm wanting? What is it I'm desiring? Whatever it is, I got to sow into it. Father, help my, help my unbelief. Help my lack of capacity, Lord. Come on, this is our altar call right now. Lord, help me enlarge my capacity. I'm ready to annex. I'm ready to build on. I'm ready to go further. That's where we're going as Life Church right now. We're going to send them prayers up with passion. We're going to continue to send these prayers up so God can take it and mix it and cast it back down to the earth until it shakes. Who are you praying for? What are you praying for? Remember, God can only send it back in the measure you're sending it up. Send God something to work with until it stirs up such a storm. It shakes the strongholds out of your children's life. Shakes the strongholds out of our community's life. Father, we just pray like the demonic's dad. Lord, we believe, but help my unbelief. Thank God for what we have, God, but we're ready to expand. Are y'all ready? We're ready to expand. Ready, God, we're ready to grow spiritually, financially, numerically, Father. We're just ready to go. Expand our territory tonight, Father. This morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 